And also when you're listening, you're not hampered by decoding. You're just, it's just flowing over you and you have to grasp what you can and move on. Now you can stop and back up and listen again and we can talk about those strategies too. Um, but it is a great, um, you know, it's, it's a great way to keep pushing your understanding forward because the story is going on. Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast from Elevation Education that explores how we can help make an impact on our nation's highest growing student demographic, multilingual learners. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. Before we introduce this episode's guests, I want to take a moment to remind you that the interview you're about to hear is just one part of our exploration of this topic. You'll find multimedia resources, including a transcript of this episode, accompanying blog posts, videos, collaboration opportunities, and much more on our learning community. Visit bit.ly slash getmlresources for more information. That is all lowercase. Our community resources are always free and available when you need them. Just use the search bar or our filters to find the resources that you are looking for. You'll also find a link to the community on the show notes. Given the fact that passive listening is happening all the time at school, why is creating deliberate, high-quality listening comprehension exercises so important, particularly for multilingual learners? What are some authentic ways to assess listening comprehension that will better gauge English learners' understanding while also preparing them for important state assessments? How can in-class listening activities help build multilingual learners' background knowledge and master academic vocabulary, two of the biggest hurdles facing language learners? We discuss these questions and much more with our guest, Monica Brady-Myrov. Monica is a content area specialist in audio and its use in the classroom and an expert in podcasting, fact-based reporting, and narrative storytelling. She is a 25-year veteran public radio journalist and is the founder and CEO of ListenWise, a listening skills company. She is also author of the book ListenWise, Teach Students to Be Better Learners. The book has personal anecdotes from the author and accessible excerpts from the latest neuroscience of listening and auditory learning, making it a critical resource that will explain why listening is the missing piece of the literacy puzzle. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Monica Brady-Myra. Monica Brady-Myra, thank you so much for joining us on Highest Aspirations. It's a pleasure to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've been talking about this for a long time, um, collaborating on lots of different things, some of which we may see coming up in the future. But for now, excited to chat with you about uh, listening comprehension in general and specifically about the the book that you wrote and the work that you're doing at listening at ListenWise, I'm excited to, to get started. So I want to start with a really general question. Um, and it's one that I bet a lot of people think they know the answer to, and they probably do, but I think there is a lot that goes into it. From your perspective, why is listening so key to learning a language? Well, it's really key to learning anything because 80% of what we learn, we learn through listening. So whether you're just learning a new subject or learning something new at work or learning a new language, listening is very, very important to that process. And it's really fundamental to learning a new language because students can't really learn to speak another language unless you hear it. So if you also look at the way that language develops, um, you know, you listening precedes speaking. Um, then you, you're listening and you're learning not only words, but syntax, grammar, uh, you know, your receptive vocabulary, your ability to 
hear and understand language develops so much more quickly than your expressive vocabulary or your written vocabulary. Um, so it's it's just oral language is and just word recognition that you get through listening are really the foundation for the development of your more advanced language skills. So it really all starts with listening. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I know you have too, but I've seen that myself as a, as a foreign exchange student going to Spain, thinking that I knew Spanish and I could understand all of it. But when I had to say something, I had to rehearse many, many times. And I've had, had lots of conversations with people recently about the difference between passive vocabulary when you're listening or when you're reading and active vocabulary when you go to use it. So making that transfer is another thing, but that, that initial listening um, is so, so crucial. I'd also say like, it helped me gain a lot of confidence when I was learning language to know that I could understand things, even if I couldn't necessarily express them. I had that exact same experience. I'll say living overseas too, being dropped in Brazil after having studied Portuguese in college, but I really hadn't spoken it and I hadn't heard it um, for extended periods of time, except my one or two hours in class a week. And what really got me through it was listening. I listened to TV news. I listened to novellas and really used that listening muscle to help bring, bring up all the vocabulary and, and language that I knew was hiding somewhere in my brain because I did study it, but I really um, learned it through listening. Yeah, same here. I could tell lots of stories about that. I'm going to tell one quick story because I don't think I've ever told on the podcast before. And it like it's so seared in my memory. Um, getting to Spain, same thing. Like dropped off. I was on a shoestring budget, so I flew standby because my aunt worked for. I'm going to date myself here, TWA at the time. <laughs> um, and so, for those of you who don't know what TWA is, it was an airline. Um, so I flew over. I got there late. I had to go and do everything on my own, including find the host family where they lived. And I literally sat at the bottom of the apartment building. I could read everything. I could understand almost everything, but to actually go and speak, I had to like rehearse in Spanish. Um, you know, I am the foreign exchange before I press the button to, to, to the speaker so they could call me in, man. So it's just incredible. But over time, you know, a lot of the listening that I engaged in there, both with television and with everything else that you, you were just talking about, helped me to learn, to learn more. Okay. So anyway, so back to this, my little story. I don't know if everybody's heard that before back to the conversation here. Um, it's one thing to engage in listening comprehension passively, right? Because it's a you're in a different country or whatever the case may be. But for teachers of multilingual learners, oftentimes those students are going home, they're speaking their native language, which is great and important. Why should all teachers working with multilingual learners be really deliberate about creating and implementing high quality listening exercises um, into their classrooms? And I guess I partially answered the question, but maybe you could go into detail. Well, first of all, I think uh, teachers have to be aware that there are low level processing going on and listening and high level processing, right? And, and you need to help your students get to that high level processing because that's where they're going to achieve a high level of academic vocabulary and background knowledge. But first they have to be able to quickly process something like, I saw a blue car drive by. And now once they have kind of have those basic basic low level processing going on, they are gonna have the knowledge of the higher level processing as a prerequisite of academic language comprehension. And that's what it really gets down to and why teachers need to be deliberate about including listening exercises is because I think it's a wonderful way to get at academic language. And this is a key to our goal of reclassification. 
-hmm. right? Um, with listening, it's very flexible. You know, you can use it in any part of the lesson. You can scaffold it for different levels. And you're giving your students incidental exposure to vocabulary through listening. And that helps them not only learn the meaning of new words, but it helps them hear different sentence structures and language and context and get gain background knowledge. So um, by adding in listening, more deliberate listening exercises, you're, you're opening this door for students. And as I said too, you're also research shows that, um, you know, your, your passive receptive, excuse me, your receptive vocabulary happens more quickly, right? Than your expressive. And then what that really means is students can listen at a higher level than they can read. Now that's true for any student, not just language learners. As you're learning to read, you can listen at a higher grade level. So if you're deliberately um, including more listening exercises and opportunities, then you're exposing your students to a lot more content, language, um, and interesting subjects. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the key word here is the one that we used a few times, the word deliberate, because I think a lot of teachers, like myself included when I was a foreign language teacher, I taught high school Spanish. Um, you know, it's different than for English learners coming in because they're only exposed to the language at that particular point in time. Most of the students that I had during their class, oftentimes I sort of prided myself on speaking Spanish in class as the primary language. And I would think, all right, they're getting that listening comprehension through that lens. They're getting it that way. But when I started to uh, teach AP level classes and when students needed to be able to be good with both formal and informal language, I needed to start being more deliberate about um, listening comprehension activities that we were doing. I think that brings me to what, you know, we in our world were thinking about the assessment of listening on WIDA and other state tests, which are so important for classification. So how are you observing that teachers are currently preparing students for the test. By the way, I, I don't like to talk about preparing for the test, but it is key and it's really important. We're not talking about like getting somebody ready for a test. We're talking about providing students with an opportunity to get to the next level. So that's kind of the basis of it. But what's working and what's not when it comes to that preparation? Well, I think what you just described is what's happening in most classrooms, which is the teacher, it's all on their, their shoulders to have this academic language um, and <clears throat> using listening by speaking to them or having students speak to each other, but it's very limiting. First of all, it's only one voice, one person. And you know, as well as I do when learning a foreign language, you kind of adapt to who you hear speak it most. Yeah, my, the hybrid dialect of all the different people that I've exactly. listened to. Yeah. So um, I think what's happening now is that teachers are trying to use a lot of language in their instruction and they're pairing students up to speak to each other, but it is really hard to emulate that, um, what they're going to see in a WIDA level access test, let's say, or in the Telpass in Texas. Um, and, and right now, what we have to consider is that those tests are all online too. They're digital. Yeah. So they are very different than a classroom experience. So I think the more a teacher can use a resource like a podcast and, you know, ListenWise, the company that I started has thousands of them. And this is a free resource for teachers to be able to sign up and use any podcast you want. Um, there are more uh, sophisticated features to help scaffold for English learners that are part of a paid subscription, but I really just want you to get on anywhere and just bring more listening into the classroom. And what they could do is something that um, I outline in my book, 
um, Listen Wise, Teach Students to Be Better Listeners, about before, during, and after listening. These are very simple strategies that can help your students prepare to be good listeners, not just for any test, but just in general. And before listening, it's about pre-teaching vocabulary, right? That's very similar to before you would read a passage as well. You wanna activate their prior knowledge. You want to think about how the language they're learning relates to the context you're teaching. And then when you move into during listening, you want a scaffold for instruction, just as you would again with a listening passage. I mean, excuse me, with a reading passage. Do they have the vocabulary ready to go? Well, for listening, you want to provide the audio transcript if it's available. Can that reading along while listening is a demonstrated research proven approach to improving literacy. You could also have them play it at a slower speed. If they're listening individual, they can listen at any speed that's good for them. Um, and then you want to provide note-taking strategies such as graphic organizers so that while they're listening, they can jot down things that strike them or questions that they have. And then following the listening, after the listening, you wanna encourage speaking because that's actually a great way to kick off a speaking exercise mm -hmm. is to hear something authentically spoken and see the words as they're spelled and a variety of voices and then practice responding to that in your own words. Yeah. And doing it right away is my own kind of anecdotal, non-research-based observation of, of teaching high school Spanish. And they did it right away. They could really, like I was talking about earlier, that transferring passive vocabulary to active vocabulary. I feel like as soon as, you, and I don't know, I'm sure there's research on this, but as soon as if you activate it right away and you use it quickly after hearing it and understanding it, especially given all of those pre-listening, during listening activities that you've just outlined, it, I mean, I imagine, well, I saw it myself that in my own students that um, it allowed them to really internalize that vocabulary a little bit more. And with the help of the teacher who's intentionally calling for students to use those words more, it's going to help with that productive language as well. Yeah, you know, Professor Jeff Sweers of Stanford says that listening can help build language facility and the sentence variety muscle. And I love that quote, the sentence variety muscle, yeah. because when you and I speak, we speak in a particular way that's pretty straightforward. But when you're listening to an NPR podcast, it's it's much different. Everybody speaks differently. Every sentence is different. And that's building your sentence variety muscle. And also when you're listening, you're not hampered by decoding. You're just it's just flowing over you and you right. have to grasp what you can and move on. Now you can stop and back up and listen again, and we can talk about those strategies too. Um, but it is a great, um, you know, it's, it's a great way to keep pushing your understanding forward because the story is going on. Right. Yeah. I love the Jeff Swears quote, by the way, <laughs> we're talking about him earlier. He's one of my, one of my favorite people. He's been on the podcast a couple of times and just obviously uh, 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 just a well-known and well-deserved, well-deservedly so well-known um, uh, expert in the field, but also just such a great, great person and a humble guy that I love collaborating with. So thanks for referencing his work. Um, the other thing that you mentioned that I think is really interesting is, you know, for, for somebody who is learning English and who has that social language almost nailed down to the point where teachers sometimes can't even understand through no fault of their own, that they don't understand the academic language for them, that social language or language they might see in a movie or hear in a TV show or on YouTube, whatever the case may be, they have it down. But the academic language that you might hear, like you said, on an NPR podcast is not quite there. It's kind of the opposite experience for foreign language teachers, right? Where it's like that social language is really difficult for me when I went to Spain or when I went to Latin America, 
it was understanding all of those different dialects and all of the different kind of social where it's academic was, was uh, I had down pretty well. And I only mentioned that because I think for content teachers, that's an experience that they're, they kind of relate to. It's hard for them to see the other side. So it just adds more value to bringing in different resources like those, those, those podcasts that you're talking about um, for those particular students. Yeah, I really feel like this idea of content and language together is something that's become very important in second language learning, English language learning. You know, it's one of the four big ideas of WIDA, multilingual learners, WIDA says, develop content and language concurrently with academic content as a context language learning and language as a means um, for learning academic content. So they're just, they're so interwoven. And um Getting help with that is, is a great way to turn to listening activities because it's really hard to do for you alone as a teacher to try to construct a lesson that does those things. Um, but there are lots of interesting stories to listen to from podcasts and NPR that will, will help you do it. Yeah, for sure. And again, like as you mentioned, for the teacher to do it uh, themselves, that can be tricky. Um, so to have some support is uh, is nice. I know that because I created my own activities for years and years and years. And while it was great to be able to do it, it was a full-time job. And then you have to actually deliver the lessons. Um, okay. So I, when it comes to assessing listening comprehension, I found, I found listening comprehension to be like notoriously tricky to assess. Um, you know, I'd always have a rubric and I'd be able to kind of use whatever the college board gave me, but it was, it was difficult. And I guess more importantly for me and for my students, at times it felt, um, I don't know, artificial, inauthentic. Um, so I guess my question is, what are some effective ways that you're seeing educators or how, what are some effective ways that educators can assess uh, a student's listening skills in class so that we can kind of track it and see how they've progressed? It's a great question because it's really hard to tell if somebody is a good listener. And you know, it's, it was surprising to me when I started ListenWise and started this work on listening because I was a public radio reporter with NPR for 20 years before I started ListenWise. And I thought there was some objective assessment of somebody's listening skills, but there isn't in a first language. Uh, and second language, yes, there's some, you know, there are ways to do it, but in even in the first language, we don't do enough of it. We don't, we, until recently, I should say, we have not developed a way to uh, assess listening as well as we could, let's put it that way. And part of that stems from the fact that we don't have a good way until very recently with the Lexile, with the introduction of the Lexile framework for listening, we don't have a good way to level a listening passage, right? Because you know from learning Spanish that some Spanish was easier to listen to than other Spanish. And, and our English learners know that they can understand some English and others is more difficult. But how do you take a listening passage and determine which one is easy and which one is hard? And thus, how do you as a teacher start to figure out how to assess your students based right, on right, right. level? So it's complicated. And uh, Metametrics stepped into this, thank goodness, to work with us and help us determine what is the listening level of an audio passage. So they have created this scale that is similar to the reading scale so that uh, at least on ListenWise, and this is a tool that will come out on other uh, tools as well. It's a scale, it's a scale that's gonna come out on other tools, but you're able to look at the listening level and then 
determine, um, you know, looking at a, a, a suggestion of a grade level, and we're working right now with them to also add levels for English language learners, um, where should you start, right? So how do you assess a student based on the difficulty of a passage? Mm -hmm. Begins first with you choosing the right passage for your student. So um, we can help do that. But it's something you, even without a tool such as ListenWise, you should be thinking about what is a one-minute story that is at the uh, WIDA level two or three that this student is at, and how can I, how can I give that to them and have them authentically practice, and then me authentically assess. Now, ListenWise also provides um, multiple choice online uh, auto-scored quizzes, and that was new too because there really wasn't a way to just do a self-assessment essentially of how well did I understand that story? Did I understand a vocabulary word in context? Did I get the main point? Right. Um, but the, the, so there are, there are more ways that are developing that I'm saying that I still think there's a long way to go for us to easily be able to choose the right passage, um, put the student on a listening scale, similar to a reading scale and help them improve in regards to that scale. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a, I, there's a long way to go. And I think what's tricky is, you know, <laughs> you have a group of 25, 30 students in front of you, all at a variety of different levels, and you have to get each student to a point where they're at that like sweet spot of productive struggle, right? The problem with listening, uh, in my experience, well, it's not a problem with listening. The problem with, with giving listening activities that are not in the right range of what you should be giving students is that it, it, it can give either students uh, sort of a false sense of security that their listening skills are great, but more commonly, if you do it on the other side of things, you can really lose kids pretty quickly. I mean, the lack of com the, the immediate drop in confidence that you get after giving a student something that is just way above where they need to be when the struggle no longer becomes productive, you really risk losing them. So um, I hear you. And I think those tools you know, that you mentioned that you all are, 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 are creating and implementing um, is a great start. I think we have a long way to go there though. I mean, yeah, and the, and the I, teacher can do a lot. The teacher can, I don't mean to like, yeah. the teacher can do a lot and understand it and mitigate those problems of confidence, but that's a really hard place to kind of know where to start. Well, I think teachers need to think about the scaffolding that they need to have going along with the listening, right? That just because everyone has two ears and can listen, they we're not all hearing and listening and understanding at the same level. And we have to give the same types of scaffolds we would for a reading passage. So when it comes to listening, that includes the transcript. If you um, were to go on ListenWise, the transcripts are in sync with the audio, but you can also easily find transcripts for most podcasts out there and you can print them and hand them out. You can also slow down the audio. Every podcast app allows you to do that. Then, th then that's really in the student's control. Mm -hmm. That gives them a lot of agency to know that, well, they, you know, they can have as much um, support as they need. And, and on ListenWise too, we also give them the ability to have it translated into Spanish um, and other note-taking strategies. So um, I think teachers just need to think deliberately about a listening activity does not just mean press play. It has some pre-teaching of vocabulary, thinking about who needs a transcript, who doesn't, how, whether or not to slow the audio, letting students do it individually so that we don't know who's listening at what speed. I actually think listening is a great equalizer because we can all be listening to the same story, but everyone can have different scaffolds to be able to access that story, but they're all listening at the same listening level, unlike reading levels where you are leveling the reading down typically. Right. And this is a complaint, right? And 
in language learning that we're, we're leveling down too much, we're not challenging students enough. You can't do that in listening. You're all listening to the same story, but your scaffolds are what levels. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing you mentioned there that I think is, is, is worth emphasizing is that there are tools, no matter where you listen to these things, that that I think many people are still unaware of, certainly students and maybe even teachers. So it's good to remind everybody that, you know, even if you're taking something uh, off the internet or whatever podcast app you're using, there are those tools already built in for accessibility that you can implement with your students. And sometimes if it's not designed for school or education, right, we have a tendency to forget that it can be used for that. And I think that's worth mentioning. Absolutely. So we've discussed on the podcast before, and, and you and I have certainly discussed that that academic language um, is one of the biggest hurdles for reclassification uh, and leads to many students becoming long-term English learners, which is a huge, huge issue right now. And that, of course, you know, leads to um, questions of the opportunity gap and students getting the opportunities that they that they deserve, uh, whether or not they're English learners. Um, and it really doesn't bode well for academic and future success. How does research show that listening can help with academic language and learning more? Research shows that listening can stretch your vocabulary. You know, that you can hear words and understand them through the context of the story at a higher level than you could read them because you can um, absorb that background knowledge, that knowledge around the story um, more readily than if you are hampered by decoding. And and we know that, um, you know, developing academic language can take four to seven years to develop. So there's a lot of time that students need to hear authentically spoken language and vocabulary in a variety of contexts. And too often we're taking it out of context and defining it, using it as sentence, um, you know, using, writing it in some way, showing a picture with it. Um, but we're not thinking of using it in the most more obvious way, like let's just hear it spoken and how it sounds. So, um, and I think NPR stories and public radio and podcasts in general are so amazing for this. I wanna play an example of this because on ListenWise, and again, this is a free resource for teachers. You can go on and get a free account at listenwise.com. And I'm gonna share my screen here with you, Steve, and play this story. But we have these segments called Weird News. They're only 30 seconds long, but we focus on the vocabulary in that 30 seconds. And in this story that we're about to hear about a dog, a really fun story about a dog who found his way back to his old home, you're going to hear seven vocabulary words that are tier two words. So let's give a listen. All right. Good morning. I'm Rachel Martin. Sometimes all you want is a familiar front porch. Maybe that's what was going through the mind of a yellow lab named Cleo when she traveled 60 miles to her family's old house in Lawson, Missouri. They moved out in 2018. The new residents recently came home to find Cleo lounging on the porch. She's since been reunited with her family at their current address. No one knows how she traveled those 60 miles, but it must be a really great front porch. So it's a fun story. It's one kids are going to like to listen to and be engaged by. And it's got some great words in there. Familiar, lounging, reunited, recently. Um, So this story alone, you know, you could play the story. You could preview the vocabulary, what I would suggest doing, right? And this is an activity we have in our book. Preview the vocabulary. Go through all those words. What do they mean? How familiar are students with them? Play the story once through like we just did without stopping. Ask them if they understood it in the main point and maybe bring up one of those vocabulary words. 
And then on the next play, ask the students to raise their hands when they hear one of the vocabulary words. And then in the final play, you can stop it when it comes to a vocabulary word and ask students to explain the definition. The story's only 30 seconds. You know, you could do this activity in under five minutes. Yeah. And I think kids would love it. Yeah. You know what I love about these activities is uh, these, these short clips is just as you said, you can use them, you can play them a few different times and you're really getting at something different each time you play it. And students, um, I used to do this for both listening and speaking, you know, 30 seconds, you can say a lot of things and you can listen to a lot of things. We used to do speaking activities where I'd ask students to speak um, for 20 seconds and that, because that was part of something they had to do in the AP exam. And what I would do is I would have students and that I'd say, it's 20 seconds, a long time. And they say, no, what can you say in 20 seconds? And I'd say, okay, close your eyes. I'm going to set a timer for 20 seconds. And they're always astounded at how much time that was. And we hear in this story, like how much you can put in. I think we have a tendency at times to give too much with listening comprehension when we can use a clip like this, that's fun and engaging, has some of that vocabulary in it that you're talking about and reuse it a few different times. I think that's great. Yeah. You know, we call that close listening. So we have some actual guided instructions on listen wise that go deep in that, but anybody can do it. It's just like close reading. It's saying there are many different ways and purposes to listen. And that that's actually part of the metacognitive strategies around building good listening comprehension skills is defining the purpose and um, giving students, um, you know, a, a goal to listen for. And by breaking it down in three different ways and three different times helps them really understand that listening is a skill they control, they can improve it and mm -hmm. they should practice. Yeah, that's great. And I also love that story about the dog. I kind of want to hear more, <laughs> more about that. Um, maybe another time. Okay. Uh, the other thing that we talk a lot about, um, we've covered a lot of a lot of you know academic language and many other uh, topics that we talk about on the podcast all the time. We also talk a lot about building background knowledge, um, which um, can be difficult, especially for educators who may not have a lot of experience or training with multilingual learners. Um, they also have students from lots of different places, and they have just many students in general, and feel overwhelmed. I mean, a lot of this is definitely about relationship building at the beginning of the year and making sure you know who your students are for sure. But what have you observed about how listening can help with this, about this building the background knowledge that students bring? Well, what's great about listening and building background knowledge is that um, just through the sheer act of hearing a story and being engaged with it, with a variety of voices and a real... Um, something that activates your brain in a very special way, it helps you draw on your background knowledge. Um, I like to do a, a, a little thought experiment often where I play a short clip of a reporter trekking through a forest and I ask people to say afterwards, what did they see? What did they hear? What did it smell like? When you're listening, your brain is far more engaged on many different, um, in many different parts than when you're reading or, or looking at something. It's got your, your visual cortex is stimulated, your olfactory part of your brain is stimulated. It's actually one of the most um, engaging activities you can do. And that I think is a very important thing to think about in learning and background knowledge because you're pulling on, you're creating images in your mind, you're creating a movie in your mind according to the research. And that's attaching to things that you know 
you have experienced. And that helps solidify your learning of a new topic, right? And, and all of that's happening automatically. You don't mm-hmm. even have to think about it. You know, you start hearing something, you imagine that dog on the porch, yeah. right? What, what did that dog look like? That dog might've looked like your childhood dog and it might've looked like your porch or your neighborhood. So you pulled in automatically your background knowledge. Now that, that's kind of something that's happening, you know, without even thinking about it. But in addition to that, teachers can use stories to just be the background knowledge to introduce a topic. It doesn't have to be directly about the thing they're learning. It's just a way to introduce a variety of vocabulary words and perspectives and voices before you start in on a topic. So there are lots of different ways that that make listen that listening can really help build this background knowledge. Yeah, you know, it's amazing what you said about just you're creating a movie in your head. It's true. I mean, I think about I I was thinking about my own childhood porch um, when I was a kid about the dog. I have it in my head right now. And I I wouldn't have remembered that or I, I even given it any thought had you not mentioned it. So I wonder how much of it is, do you take, and I, the, I don't know if we have the answer to this question right now, but I think listening to what you just said, it's almost like it's worth taking the next step to think about, hey, when you were listening to that, what what were you thinking about? Perhaps having a conversation about that, that might elicit some really interesting background from different students. It's happening so automatically, as you said, that it can be, I guess it could be even a missed opportunity if you don't discuss it. Not that it has to be an opportunity. You know what I mean? It's really interesting. No, but, I, but I think it is. It's a great, it's a great opportunity to discuss it because it allows for each child to bring something new and different to the conversation or to even understand how they fit into it. So let's say you're a new student to this country and you don't have, you don't know what a porch is. Yeah. Yep. You, you, you don't have a porch. You come from a, you know, a country where or your community that's not part of your lexicon and your understanding. So you might not be able to pull on it as easily, but if you're a teacher were to elicit from you, Steve, tell me, did you have a porch? When you grew up, what did it look like? Did you have a dog or dogs familiar in your culture or not? Or how, you know, how, how are dogs part of the family or not? There are just lots of ways that you could um, explicitly help bring out this unconscious background knowledge that I think comes with listening that we all bring to it. But know too, that that's also what attaches you to the story. You're not gonna forget this story for a while. If I ask you in two weeks about the story and teachers have told us this, students remember really specific details about things they've heard. And when they listen to a story on ListenWise, if it's got that engaging emotional connection, boy, that just really makes an imprint on their memory. Yeah. So important what we're discussing right now, because I think like what first comes to mind is you just take it for granted listening, right? I mean, you just take for granted all those connections that are being made. And I think that's largely why we're talking about this right now is to kind of bring that to the forefront because it's really powerful. You know, we come from an oral tradition that interestingly, I think you and I talked about this a few weeks ago, like we, we, we sort of got away from that. I feel like when I was growing up, the listening thing, like it was like, you, you know, you, you watch television, the internet wasn't really a thing when I was growing up either. And then now there's like this podcast revolution and everybody's engaged in listening again. And it's kind of going back to where we were, you know, where we came from. And there's gotta be something in our brains that just you know, triggers that just that that oral tradition. It's just nice to see that it's coming back and getting more attention. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled with that. 
I'm just so happy. I mean, and, and actually, you know, in researching my book, I learned that, you know, oral storytelling is the first documented form of pedagogy. I yeah. Mean, we, you know, the, some of the earliest learnings were in cave dwellings with pictures where they know that they, uh, it's recorded, you know, researchers believe that people were teaching their children about surviving in the world through oral storytelling. And, yeah. and now where are we? We're learning so much through podcasts. There are millions, literally millions of podcasts. And every year, the number of people listening to podcasts goes up. This year, it's a younger and more diverse group of listeners than in previous years. It's, it's, it's something that appeals to everyone. So that's kind of another reason why you want to be using more audio in your classroom. Students are listening to it already and they're, they're engaged with the medium. They're, they want to listen more. Yeah, that's a really good point. And we want to do what they want us to do as much yeah. as we can <laughs> to, to the extent possible. Um, okay, as we begin to wrap up here, I know that this is a, a personal thing for you. Um, you've lived overseas and you speak several languages. Tell me about how those experiences influenced your own understanding of listening and learning language and perhaps how it led you to where you are today, both having written this book and, and running a company that is really all about what we're talking about today. Yeah, well, as I shared earlier, you know, when I moved to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, I'd studied Portuguese, but I actually couldn't speak it. And I remember that same feeling you had when I went down to get my breakfast for the first day. And I, I just couldn't even order a cup of coffee. And I was mortified that I'd spent all this time studying the language and I had gotten a degree. I mean, it's like I had a minor in Portuguese, but I couldn't speak it. Yeah. And it was very humbling. So uh, what I learned was that so it's so important to just listen and imitate. So I really gravitated toward the nightly soap operas and I would um, imitate the most used phrases on there. One of my favorite was, oh, my there's no cell, which is kind of like, oh my goodness. And I started to use that and people thought I was fluent and that really tickled me because I was like, oh, I like that. Um, and and I, it just really helped me. And then, but then I also had a friend who would talk me through the plot. And again, once you know the background knowledge and the plot of a show, you get to understand more of what they're talking about and you hear the words, but it really made an impact on me how much listening plays and learning a language. Um, so, you know, years later, and I also taught English too, to some students there, they were more advanced, it's an uh, advanced learners. Um, so I learned too how hard our language is to learn. I mean, it's mm -hmm. really, really hard. Um, and I, you know, kudos to everyone out there who's teaching and learning English. So I felt like when I started ListenWise, it occurred to me how valuable these stories were. I'd been producing them as a, as a reporter for years and hadn't ever thought about them as a language learning tool until I started ListenWise. And I thought, wait a second, there's a huge opportunity here because these stories are so full of excellent language and the variety of voices too, because you get to hear a lot of different accents and people yep. and speeds and you, it's hard to it's hard to replicate that in a classroom. So it just kind of all came together as a perfect opportunity to really put on more supports that could help language teachers, help um, English language learners by using podcasts. Yeah, what a great, it's a, such a great, it's so funny how it just comes, circles back around, right? I mean, your, <laughs> your story is, is similar to mine um, in many ways. And that, that humbling experience of, of realizing that, wow, I, I, I don't really know much of this language. I can understand things, but um, 
it's it's just incredible. It's a really powerful it's a powerful thing that I hope that uh, my own children get to experience someday. But um, but it's really great that's led you to do the work that you are doing now because I think it's so so important on so many different levels. Which leads me to one of my last questions: How, how can people learn more about the work you're doing? Listen wise, the book. There's just so many exciting things happening right now with you. Yeah, thanks. If you want to learn more, listenwise.com is the best place to go. And as I said, you can sign up for free. It is a free resource for teachers and you are going to have access to thousands of podcasts and a lot of um, pre-made questions around them and a lot of things you can do for free. There are other paid features as well, but I just want teachers to use more audio in the classroom. I don't care where you find it. Listenwise is a good resource, but so is every podcast out there. So is your local public radio station. And then if you want to check out my book, Listen Wise, Teach Students to Be Better Listeners, you can find it on Amazon or your favorite bookstore. What the book has is a lot of what I've discussed today, the research around language and learning and listening, as well as uh, practical tips on how to use it in the classroom. So it is a, a book that's meant to pick up and bring with you to school and use a couple of the um, teaching examples we give in it. Great. Well, Monica Brady Myra, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. As I said, we have been planning this for a long time and it's it's fun to have actually uh, done it. We have some more things planned for the future that I won't talk any more about now, but um, really appreciate the collaboration. Appreciate you coming on and talk about uh, talk about a topic that's so important to me and so many others that are that are listening to this. I think you really shed some light on um, the depth of what listening comprehension really is. So much appreciated. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been fun to talk with you. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.